Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Hawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 31 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. And today we'll be uh, hitting on a number of topics uh, for the second straight day. Uh, no crossover episode, but don't worry, we will be back again on Friday with another crossover uh, talking about another team that is very relevant to the Atlanta Hawks' interest. But today it's just me talking about the Hawks, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So uh, before we get going, I want to look back a little bit on Tuesday's podcast, actually, sorry, Wednesday's podcast, uh, in which we hit on the SI Top 100 that was released. Um, Kent Bazemore, for those who have missed that podcast, was number 90 overall, uh, and Kyle Korr was number 70 overall on that uh, top 100 list that released by Sports Illustrated, and the good folks there like Rob Mahoney, Ben Golliver, Matt Dollinger, Jeremy Wu, Jeremy all those cool guys over there, some of which I know and are very good very good guys, so don't, don't scream and yell at them too much, but those two guys were uh, listed, uh, Bazemore at 90, Korver at 70, and I wanted to get into the fact uh, really, the rest of the uh, the list. It's not a, it's not all the way through uh, one at the time of this recording, but it is uh, through the time where the Hawks have been included on the list. So it's time to uh, take a little bit of a look at that. I did mention quickly on Wednesday's show that Dennis Schroeder was snubbed from the list, and uh, that was confirmed, and that he did not land him on the top 50 as as we thought he might not. I did want to name a few guys uh, from the list that I think are at least somewhat controversial in the fact that they were included ahead of Schroeder. Uh, guys like Cody Zeller from the Hornets, who we talked about on our uh, crossover with the Hornets podcast earlier this week. Um, J.R. Smith, who's currently unsigned right now, not on an NBA team actively. Uh, Phoenix's Brandon Knight, uh, Mason Plumley from the Blazers, and Amir Johnson. Uh, we're all guys who made the cut who I think uh, a lot of Hawks fans are going to say uh, Schroeder should definitely be on the list ahead of. Even got a little bit of a response saying that Schroeder was a better player than, than a guy like Korver or a guy like, like even like Bazemore. So I think a lot of the hometown fans are not terribly pleased to see uh, Schroeder left off the list, especially because he didn't make the, uh, the more than 25 names listed on the snub list. So that would really, you know, in, in short put him outside the top 125 in the league, which is probably a bit aggressive considering his physical tools and his upside. But the folks at SI don't really see too much in the way of uh, what a lot of Hawks fans see with Schroeder this year, and, and they're uh, taking a more skeptical tone with the young point guard. So it'll be interesting to see how that stacks up a year from now when the, when this type of list happens again. But for now, Schroeder's going to have a lot to prove in order to make this kind of list. With that out of the way, uh, Dwight Howard did come in, uh, and the uh, second release of the of the uh, of the top 100. The first time through, they released 51 through 100, and that allowed uh, Corver and Bazemore to come in. The next release was 31 to 50, and that's where Howard came in. 
Dwight comes in at number 34 overall. Just for some context, he comes in right behind Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, who, you know, I think that's an appropriate thing and uh, to have Gobert as a better player right now. If both are healthy, I would take Gobert. And uh, Howard comes in ahead of guys like Hassan Whiteside, Brooke Lopez from the Nets, Chris Bosh, who has the uh, sort of now famous health concerns, Oklahoma's big man Steven Adams, who had a fantastic playoffs last year and was sort of a breakout star of the Thunder's run through the playoffs, and Serge Ibaka. Those are all guys who are behind Dwight Howard on this list. Um, you know, you probably pick and choose. I would say that Bosch is clearly a better player than Howard right now if we knew that Bosch is going to be healthy. Of course, we don't know that. I think it's pretty it's pretty conceivable that Adams would be better this year than Howard, but that's, it takes a bit of projection, and I'm fine with the way that Howard sort of slots in at 34. He is behind Al Horford, who we'll get to in a second. But uh, that's something that confirms what I've been saying a lot of the time in this offseason, and that how you know Horford's just a better player than Howard right now. There's a pretty sizable gap on this list between the two players. Um, but you know this is this is a decent amount of respect for Dwight. We talked about him being uh, he he made it, he made an, uh, uh, a list of un, most underrated players in the league, and in, in the recent past, a list from CBS that I thought was very interesting. And uh, so I think that's it's. You know, further confirmation that the uh, the jury is split on Dwight Howard. Let's just say that there are people who think he's still the old Dwight, who is still a fantastic player, and there are people who are a little bit more more down on him. I think 34 is pretty appropriate. We can nitpick with a spot or two. That's that's about the right range, I think, for Dwight with what we know right now. Uh, lastly, the last inclusion from the Hawks on the top 100 list is Paul Millsap who is, uh, as I've been saying, the best player on the team by a pretty comfortable margin. The, the guys at SI seem to agree with that. They have uh, Millsap at number 15 overall, and he is ahead of uh, a lot of big names. I think, uh, you know, I've already seen some pushback from, especially especially some non-Hawks fans as to why Millsap would be so high. There was a, uh, a serious XM radio segment a few days ago that generated some response from me and others on Twitter. Uh, as to whether Millsap was even a top 25 player in the NBA, I think he's certainly inside the top 25. There's a few guys I'd probably quibble with here to have him uh, as high as 15, but with the way he played last season, this is a very reasonable ranking. I think he was solidly a top 20, 25 player in the league, and uh, to have him fit 15 here was a, actually a pleasant surprise for me. I had a feeling he'd be lower than this, so 15 is a encouraging in that Millsap's getting the respect that he deserves. He's ahead of players like Carl Anthony Towns, who everyone believes will be the next big thing in Minnesota. Uh, John Wall and Damian Lillard are both behind Millsap on this list. They're both more famous, to be sure. Um, but Millsap, I would argue, is the, better, is the best player of those three guys. Um, Clay Thompson is behind Paul Millsap on this list. Jimmy Butler is behind Paul Millsap on this list. And uh, old pal Al Horford is behind is behind Millsap on this list. He's again uh, ahead of Howard, but behind Millsap, which is I think appropriate for what we saw last season. Um, there are two guys I actually thought were somewhat controversial, but are ahead of Millsap that made me maybe probably shouldn't be, depending on what you, how you look at things. Kyle Lowry is ahead of Millsap. I think I would take Millsap uh, between those two guys, and Lamarcus Aldridge of the Spurs is also ahead of Paul. I think I would probably go Paul in that instance. Although it should be said that I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sold on Millsap ahead of a guy like a guy like Butler. I think Butler's probably a better all-court player. 
right now, but we're splitting hairs here. The, it's more this is more backup for me than anything else. That uh, the most the top twenty player in the league, and that's something that confirms my eyes and my and the stats from last year. His his defense was absolutely incredible a year ago. That's something that is, always goes overlooked uh, for a guy who's not a pure shot blocker. Those are the guys that usually get the respect on the defensive uh, side of the court. But Millsap was so good in so many areas that it's nice to see him getting this kind of recognition. Moving on from this particular topic, the top 100 lists are fun. We'll probably hit on another one or two as we get going toward the regular season. But a, uh, a, an off-court issue actually came to light this week um, from Chris Vivlamore of the AJC. This happened on Wednesday. He brought word that the former Hawks ownership group, led by Bruce Levinson, who was famously involved in the email scandal that ended up with the sale of the team, the group is suing an insurance company for breach of contracts surrounding the buyout of Danny Ferry. This is, uh, for me, a non-story for anyone outside of the parties involved, but the Hawks did issue a lengthy no-comment to Vivlamore, and uh, really, more than anything else, this is just kind of an annoying story uh, for just because the Hawks, the uh, the franchise, doesn't really need to be mired in this kind of thing. And the big takeaway, I would say, is that Hawks fans should be thrilled beyond belief that the old regime is gone and that the new one led by Tony Ressler, Grant Hill, Steve Coonan, and others is now here to stay. I do not miss the old days of the ownership group with the infighting and the lack of spending, just the lack of pizzazz, the lack of um, excitement for, for the ownership group. It's nice to have a, a group now that is uh, clearly invested in the team, you know, b- both monetarily and just uh, in the best interest of the proceedings, whereas the old group, the Atlanta Spirit, as they were called, it was always a problem. There was always the infighting, and I'm, I'm really just glad more than anything else. This was a reminder to me of what of how good the Hawks fans have it now under this new group, especially with CEO Steve Coonan and wrestler at, at the forefront, uh, a guy who's willing to spend to this point in time, really has a zest for the team, and he's treating it, at least so far, as more than just a financial asset, but as something that he's really invested in winning and growing the franchise, that's, and that's really all you can ask for from an owner on this level. Um, with that out of the way, it's kind of it for the news-ish stuff today, but I did want to hit on a couple of mailbag topics before we get out of here. This will be a shorter show, again, like yesterday, but we're getting back into the daily schedule. Without the benefit of games or um, actual training camp to talk about, it's a bit challenging now, but we do have some uh, some good mailbag questions today we want to get to. The first comes from Muhammad on Twitter. He asks, uh, what do you think Dwight Howard has to shoot at the free throw line for the Hawks to be a better offensive team this year over last year? Um, frankly, I'm not sure it works this way as far as um, – this year's team being better offensively because of Howard's free throw shooting. I think, uh, you know, in the grand scheme, though, Howard making a sizable jump at the line would certainly help things. Uh, he shot 49% from the free throw line a year ago after a, a flatly disastrous second half at the free throw line. But he is a career 57% shooter. Uh, that is, of course, not very good, but 50, 50, 57% is uh, good enough where you can sort of avoid the, the hack of Dwight stuff. I mean, people might still do it, but at that rate, your offense would be 114 points per, per, per 100 possessions, which would be essentially the best in the league. So if, if Howard could just shoot in the, uh, in the mid to high 50s, he, did, he has cracked 59% on a couple of occasions during his career, especially early on in his career, I would gladly take his career average 
a 57%, but more than anything, it only becomes an absolutely glaring issue if it's in that low 50s or below 50 range like it was last year. That's going to be the tipping point where you're looking at Andre Drummond's style. Drummond is obviously at you know worst possible case. He's the worst shooter, free throw shooter in NBA history, uh, somewhere south of 40%. Howard's never been that bad, but if he's shooting somewhere in that 50, 50% range, that becomes a problem because the hack of Dwight is definitely going to happen if he continues to prove that. You know, I don't really care uh, or really buy the posted videos of him shooting in uh, empty gyms with his trainer. It's nice to know that he is at least working on his shot. But um, the mental stuff is really always at the forefront for players who struggle this much at the free throw line. And we'll see if he can actually overcome that at this late stage of his career and really improve at the free throw line. Again, I would gladly accept somewhere in that 55 to 57% range from Howard. That's a sad reality because you don't want to ever have a guy taking as many free throws as he will take shooting that bad of a percentage. It's not going to help the team's efficiency level offensively. But at the same time, I think it's... Uh, Really just an anomaly of how bad he was a year ago, being sub-50%. That's a very rare thing in his career. So I think a, a bump from that is probably going to happen here, especially with how much he's worked on his stroke. Even if we, uh, with the caveat that we talked about on Wednesday's show and that he had a sort of bizarre health scare this week uh, after a flight back from China. So for more details on that, you can go back and listen to yesterday's show. But um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore that for this purpose and just say that I think Free throw shooting for Howard will be important to the overall efficiency, but I don't think it has too much bearing on this year's team versus last year's team, simply because last year's offensive team was not great, but I do think it was still better in terms of personnel offensively a year ago than it is this year with Schroeder's inefficiencies and Howard being a step down offensively from a guy like Horford from, a, from an efficiency standpoint in terms of, not individually, Howard shoots a better percentage and is more um, individually efficient in terms of his shooting, but Horford's creation, creation of spacing and his passing and his mobility I think will do a lot, will did a lot uh, last year and previous years to open up offense and this year is going to be more of a struggle to create spacing with Schroeder and Howard at the uh, sort of the, p- the pivot points of the lineup at the point guard and center positions. Uh, the, the last uh, question of the day uh, comes from 1893 Reporter on Twitter, and he asks a funny question that made me chuckle, so I wanted to include it. At one point in the season, will I throw my empty whiskey bottle at the TV screen? Uh, for me, this doesn't happen because A, I am uh, technically a member of the media now, and uh, in theory, more uh, more level-headed. Uh, I won't I won't claim to never get frustrated about the Hawks or sports in general, but I also don't drink, which means that whiskey is off the table for me. I know that's kind of bizarre um, for some, in the minds of some people, but not not really my thing. But hey, I know people that do, and that's there's nothing inherently wrong with it. So um, you know, I think in the end, it, it kind of depends on what your expectations are. Um, you know, throwing throwing an empty whiskey bottle against the screen would be a pretty aggressive reaction uh, in a regular season game. Even if you were super frustrated, uh, especially early in the year, that would be a pretty uh, over-the-top uh, reaction and uh, activity uh, based on an NBA regular season game. But if you get uh, super mad and obviously have gone through the whiskey bottle, that might, might contribute to your actions. I think the, the safe bet 
Uh, as to the first time, it might be something that uh, has to do with Dennis Schroeder. He's sort of a polarizing figure and a frustrating player at times. Uh, I do like Dennis. I've said that over and over again, but he is a very frustrating guy who could do some crazy things on the court that will make you want to pull your hair out, or in this case, throw a bottle against the television screen. Uh, so I think Schroeder or Schroeder or Howard would be the interesting cases of players who could be involved. Uh, just how early that happens is kind of up to your mindset. I think uh, if you think that this, this, this is a definite championship contender early on in the season, uh, if you have that expectation, then you probably are going to be disappointed. But if you're pretty reasonable and just thinking that this is a work in progress and that you might be more patient, more tempered early on, then I think you might be able to wait till later in the year, maybe even the playoffs, to get super duper annoyed enough to actually have a physical reaction like this. This is more of a, obviously a tongue-in-cheek answer. But uh, I think the Hawks are one of those teams, they're not... They're not terribly frustrating in the way that a lot of other teams in the NBA are. You kind of know what you're getting. This is this year is a, a bit of a change in that, and that Howard and Schroeder are going to be more more volatile, in my opinion. There's more uncertainty than there has been in the last couple of seasons. But in the end, with Budenholzer at the helm, there isn't too much to be uh, maybe not frustrated, but maybe there's not too much to be angry about. Frustration always seems to happen from a fan base when you're talking about an NBA team. But in the end, I think you'll probably make it through most of the year without throwing an empty whiskey bottle at the television screen. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, again, we'll be back, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we'll be back tomorrow on Friday with another crossover episode, so stay tuned for that one as we wrap up the week. Uh, thanks again for jumping back in with us on the daily schedule. The season is almost here. Uh, media day is less than two weeks away, which means we'll actually have content to talk about, training camp stuff, battles, you know, playing time stuff, and all of all of the above before we actually get into preseason games and the rest of uh, actual basketball action. So stick, thanks for sticking with us through the uh, offseason, and we're almost almost officially back in the swing. We're back in the daily schedule, so thanks for that. Please, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you Leave us a review if that's something that your podcast player does. I know iTunes is a great uh, a way, great way to grow the show. If you'll if you'll do that for us, we would definitely appreciate it. Tell your friends and uh, really take a li- take a listen to anything on the Locked On uh, Podcast Network. We now have a show for almost every NBA team, as well as the Locked On NBA show with David Locke, the purveyor of the podcast network. He covers the whole league, so you'll want to take a look at that. And also, uh, a, a sort of off the wall recommendation this week: Nate Duncan's podcast, the Dunked On NBA podcast, is one that you're probably listening to if you're a uh, an actual diehard NBA fan. But if you're not already, he's going through a lot uh, of preseason primer stuff. Uh, so this, I think you believe, I believe he calls it the season outlook with a bunch of different team previews, and a lot of the Locked On hosts are joining Nate for those. Uh, if you want to listen to the Hawks one, they actually did not have me on it, but had K.L. Chenard, who's been a guest on this podcast from Hawks.com. That's definitely worth a listen. And Nate and uh, Daniel LaRue, who's an often co-host of his, they do fantastic work. We talked about them on the podcast before, but I wanted to shout out Nate for all those, as especially because he's having a lot of the Locked On podcast people on his show in the next uh, couple of days and weeks. Thanks again, thanks again, guys, for listening, and stay tuned for tomorrow's podcast.